This podcast is produced on the land of the Wujak Noongar people, and we want to pay our respect to the elders past, present and emerging. Well, Leah, we've just got through your first um, set of podcasts as, uh, as a host. How did you find it? Oh, it was fantastic. It was one of those ones where I went into it going, I'm actually not sure what to expect. And I feel like I walked away from that just buzzing. It was it was such an interesting chat. And I just I think I spent all weekend thinking about it. Yeah, okay. Very good. So, yeah, so we, so we, we actually have a series of two episodes coming out. Um, the first one, I think you maybe don't feature too much um, as in terms of you weren't talking a whole lot, but you were in the room. Um, and then the next two that sort of followed that, which we're, we're kind of going to combine into to one episode, you were, you were sort of hosting those pretty much with Courtney. So, um, but yeah. So I guess we should probably let people know that we, we went out to a place called Dream Builders out in Midland, um, which is, uh, they run a, a sort of community supermarket, which is offers some products for free to people who need extra help. And often we're talking about people who may be facing homelessness and, and interestingly, people who are not necessarily homeless, but just struggling to make ends meet. Um, and even stuff like kids on the way to school who maybe didn't get breakfast, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, they basically help to sort of feed the community um, and they also have a community kitchen which produces meals for people to come and have dinner and, and I think breakfast sometimes and that sort of thing. Um, and but yeah, so the cafe attached to, the, uh, to that as well as we had a wonderful coffee from there and it was really good coffee as well. Yeah. That was really good. Uh, it's a really impressive setup there in Midland. Um, and we, our first chat was with Ursula Dixon, who is the CEO, I think, of the of the service. Um, so we have a great chat with Ursula, um, which obviously people are about to listen to. Um, and then, yeah, we'll introduce the, the other guests for the next episode. Um, but, yeah, please enjoy our conversation with Ursula. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the VI Spadat's one yes. of those that gets Massive. used a lot. Yeah, we, um, we use that with the by name list. Yep. So we're trying to get um, we're trying to get opportunity to use the by name list as an organisation. Okay. Currently that sits with Indigo Junction. Okay. Um, and um, maybe after Christmas I might pursue it. My head's too full of that right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, have $34,000, of Christmas has to happen still. Yeah. So I'm just like... <laughs> Let's get that done. Yeah. We'll, we'll VI that somebody yeah. later. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things about the VI Spadat is that they are looking for a simplified version of that to address people who are street present or yep. sleeping That's because right. I'm waking somebody up at two o'clock in the morning and sitting there for an hour to question them in a connection slash week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doesn't get met with a lot of. Um, well, you, you're not generally embraced. No. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, That's right. And I'm looking like we've got um, one of our team on the floor at the moment trying to get her on the by name list so we can get her into some mm -hmm. formal accommodation because she's currently renting a room which makes it incredibly tenuous for her. Okay. Um, and But her, her ability to sit through a VI spit at is probably going to be five or six sessions. 
yeah. just because of the length of it. Yeah. Um, and then you have the AOD aspect of that and the fact that you're sitting through a questionnaire that you possibly you either don't want to answer or is too big for you to answer, mm. which are all triggers in that space. Mm. That's right. Right? And then, yeah. yeah. This is one of the challenges with some of the um, tools that have been used in yep. prison or trialled in prisons yep. in the past yep. for the sim similar population, yep. so similar yep. challenges yep. like with cognition and stuff. Yep. And it's just not practical. No. And and obviously it costs a lot of money for a professional to sit yeah. in there doing that with them. Yeah. So and they just don't have the budget or the They don't have budget, resources. they don't have time yeah. and then yeah, how do you Oh man. Yeah. Because you're always you're always like for me I'm like the welfare of the individual. I'd rather spend twelve months making friends yeah. and working out how we then maybe V Ice adding you and then sending you back into a horrible spiral yeah. um, and then working you know another three years before you surface and you're able to sort of yeah. um, maybe get to page two I don't know yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's a huge one I yeah. do know that they are talking quite deliberately around simplifying the VI spit out yeah. don't know don't know yeah like, they've been using it a lot for what was um, 50 lives and it's now yes. zero yeah and I've got a colleague at Notre Dame that's doing a PhD, and I think she's kind of finding the VS, but it's not accurate anyway. So they kind of they probably wasted a lot well, of time. I, I, what is accurate though? Like yeah. if we're looking for a hundred percent accuracy, what, what? Yeah, no, we're like, out. It's right? never going to be a hundred percent, but it's not even acceptably accurate. You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's for, for, very for that interesting. For that population. Yeah, that's very so, interesting. Yeah. So where did they design it? In a, some upper class? I think class? in a social work sort of setting with people who probably had the capacity, yeah. you know. Because there's definitely, when I look at, you know, some of our team who I'd like to, who's people who are volunteering here, I, I'd like to see them yeah. move through so. Yeah, okay. It's, it's a knife. <laughs> and you'll you, you, you go like, oh, that's who she's talking about when you go out there and chat. Oh, okay. Um, and it's not a, again, not right or wrong, really. It's no. Not, no. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's just all shades of grey. It is. Mm. And how do we, how do we, I, I think I, I said that to Courtney already, um, how do we take, how do we, how do we help people? Mm. How do we help people go from surviving to thriving at the capacity that they can do that? It just seems to be this horrendous space. That's the huge question. It is a massive yeah. question. Yeah. I, I have more than one PhD, that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have enough lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is. Uh, yeah. I think what drives me, really, really drives mm. me is like, okay, so let's love on people. Yeah. Let's offer them real dignity. Mm -hmm. Like, real value. Yeah. No, we want you to sit at a table. I mean, there are limits to some of the things we do because of our funding mm. or our ability to fund ourselves. What we have here is funded by our op shop. We don't get funding from anywhere. Okay. Um, so you have all of that. And then um, so when we offer people a meal, it is in a takeaway container because it, it can double as a plate. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a loss of dignity and value in that mm. process, right? Mm -hmm. But we can't, like, from a... F being able to fund ourselves perspective, put everything on a plate, because then we have to have, we, you know, in our community meal space, we're seeing between 70 and 90 guests every night. Yeah. 
and so then somebody has to do those dishes. Yeah. We also come up against the issue we had. We had a wonderful Halloween. We had police here. We had ambulance. Okay. We had people being punched. It was right. fun. It was all outside the gate. It was really amazing. Okay. And we don't have that very often. Mm. So, um, but um, yeah, that was a great Halloween. But if we had then knives and forks mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. and crockery, we now have a weapon. Yeah. It's a bit different to the trick or treating where I live. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. tell me about your treat. <laughs> <laughs> it was a yeah. treat. It was a treat. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, like, so then you go, what am I trading here? Mm. I'm mm. trading your dignity on a convenience and an element of safety. Yeah. I don't like that, mm. but I don't have, I don't see, I don't, there's no choices there. No. Mm. Mm-hmm. You've got um, to be pragmatic, you know. Somewhere yeah. you do. Um, maybe we can go to, you know, plate, um, bamboo plates, but then you have a soggy dish, you know, <laughs> and they're carrying it, and yeah. it's just like the dinner just fell yeah. to the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got it. Yeah. These are all um, calculations that you've got to make. Yeah. 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 Trade-offs. But they're not. They're not make. But the trade-off isn't a happy trade-off because I'm actually trading your dignity because right. you're eating out of a takeaway mm. container. Now I yeah. I get to the demography that we typically serve probably eat a lot like that they'll go to the Mm -hmm. chinese and they'll have the same container they'll go get a kebab and they'll eat out of a paper bag so i get that that's probably quite common but that doesn't mean that we should then follow suit necessarily it did get us through covid because they did Mm -hmm. want to shut us down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're like oh no you can't i'm like come and shut me down i've got supermarket in my name Mm. yeah come and shut me down Mm. Um, bring send the police shut me down yeah. go on I will make so much noise you won't be happy yeah. um, and it's like I can feed I can send out food out but they're going to be sitting with their heads like this close to each other mm-hmm. at least here they're sitting a, a metre apart yeah, and in dignity yeah. yeah it was a really funny conversation oh yeah. okay well the, the homeless population and people at risk of homelessness were sort of pushed to one side a bit during that whole period um, completely you know, let's put them in hotels and just leave them and yeah. that sort of thing so put them in a hotel yeah they have an AOD issue if they leave they can't come back in but they're not allowed to use on the premise mm. so now we've got people who are experiencing withdrawal mm. who want thought that going to a hotel would be a great option yeah um, they get a plate delivered to their door it's not even food that they ordered it's mm. whatever they got served yeah um, and um they weren't allowed to open the door until that person had left. So the food was sitting there with an alfoil mm. cover and then they weren't allowed to leave to go and... Yeah. You can't do that. Mm. Um, it's not taking into account. And it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work, work. No. very quickly as well. <laughs> yeah. Very didn't. quickly didn't work. Um, yeah. And I just loved it because I was like, um, we've got people who sit in ivory towers mm. who, who policy make around all of this stuff. And... Um, yeah. They've just got no real world experience. And I don't think you have had to have been experiencing homelessness in any part of your... It shouldn't have had to be part of your lived experience to be able to make a decent decision here. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, people. Because even just going to the places and seeing things, I think, would make such a big difference. Just like yeah. actually going somewhere. Getting out of your office maybe yeah. and, and understanding that someone... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just, so just, just so you know, we've already started. Yeah. Yeah, oh. we're already recording. 
I'm like, I think they're yeah. just testing this. Yeah, the lines nah, going nah, up nah, and down. Nah, already recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably now a good time to, to introduce yourself to the podcast. Yeah. Sure. My name is Ursula Dixon um, and uh, I am... Um, I lead a team at Dream Builders Care. Um, if I have an official title, I'm the Chief Executive Officer, but um, I really, we're part of the team and, and we, the team is, is, makes this happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so we get, we'll get into who you work with and who you help and whatnot, but yeah. just to um, get a bit of a sense of your background and how you kind of ended up here, do you yeah. want to talk us through like education and past work and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I um, we've talked about it. So um, I grew up in a, a middle class experience. So I had a reasonable public education and um, it was still reasonable back then. I think it was quite mm-hmm. good. Um, I know I'm a little bit older than everyone else in the room, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, and uh, I... Um, my husband and I actually pastored a church for about 16 years and one day he woke up and was like, yeah, I really don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. She don't really like people a lot, so mm-hmm. probably not the best space for me to be operating. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. And um, he's an um, incredibly talented man, um, very generous, but th- that was just breaking him. So mm-hmm. um, we moved out of that space, but I- I've got to say that from my perspective, it was very... I probably spent a quite a number of years going oh my God, I miss people, I miss. Um, But it was a good space of time where I I went into the corporate world and um, realised I had a skill set that I was a bit surprised about. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I came out of um, school and I had babies straight away. So that kind of, you you don't lose yourself in your children because my children made me, but it was a kind of like, well, I need to take care of this. It needs a bum change. It mm. needs to be fed and, and watered. And, and we had four and there's still four alive. So that's good news. You know? <laughs> yeah. I didn't try to test this one. Very good. <laughs> good, good space. Mm. Um, and so I, while I was working corporately, I was like, I need to do something with what I'm discovering about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I went and did a, um, a degree, a master's um, with the experience that I had running the organisation I was working for. Um, I went and did a master's in business and leadership through Curtin mm. University. Please don't be upset with me. Um, <laughs> it was who accepted me, guys. It was yeah. just who accepted me. Fair um, so I went and did a master's degree in business and leadership and discovered that I was actually quite... I, I, I could think around things in the philosophy and ethics space that other people seem to... Str- I, I just really was v- gravitated toward that. And, mm. um, so my career developed... A little bit up further along and then our church um, said to me we've got a um, emergency relief space that is costing us quite a lot of money and doesn't hold a great deal of sustainability so then obviously the longevity disappears as well mm. um, and would you mind looking at some models um, that we could potentially implement in mm. that space um, so I did a little bit of research and I realized that you know 12 years ago when I did that I was really bad at it yeah (laughs) I could put a better report together with less words now yeah um and uh they they took that and they walked away um they were like great thank you and two or three months later they rang me and like you wouldn't be interested in the role would you so I think they might have asked around and Mm. um weren't able to really I don't know I just yeah I don't think they were able to fill the role they'd be like so we just want to pay you this and I'm like oh 
well, if the talk to Mars, but we still had children at home. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, they're going through um, university or actually the end of school and university and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's um, 10 years on. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot, hopefully. Hopefully mm-hmm. I'm a nicer person. Um, and so growing into this current role um, where we're looking at now um, turning over over $500,000. We spend every cent, just so everyone knows this probably a couple of grand at the end of the year that we could call profit mm-hmm. um, but um, that's what it takes to put this um, in a, keep this in action mm-hmm. um, we now have a van we collect from six supermarkets a day um, we have four Oz Harvest deliveries um, we're seeing um, in the last 12 months we've seen almost 51,000 visits to Dream Builders Care during the day um, that's an incredible amount of that what I find is an even greater, more astonishing figure, and it lines up with the Food Bank Hunger Report, is that 33% of those visits only come and access free bread, fruit, and vegetables. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's nearly 17,000 individuals, mm-hmm. or visits, sorry, who are coming to access free. That tells me that there is a a very big need in our community and not everybody we we have people coming in daily going i didn't know you were here and i mm-hmm. didn't know these services were available yeah um so that's how we've ended up in today um we've outgrown our space Do you just want to give um, listeners a bit of a um, background on, so you, you sort of mentioned the kind of services you provide, but mm-hmm. you guys are basically in a building that was maybe a commercial space originally? And yep, it, been... it was. It was the original auto Deering, Deering Autronics, sorry, Deering Autronics 50 years ago. Yeah. They wow. built this for that, right? The original, I don't even think it's around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were given, or well, I, I, the 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 very generous um Landlords um, have, we, we, we rent this, obviously, it's a substantial amount of money, um, but they could knock it down and build high rises here mm. and probably get quite a lot more money out mm. of that little process. Um, so I'm hoping that one day we own all of this and um, we can grow that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it was our old building. We put in a commercial kitchen. Um, we've got showers. We've got, um, obviously, toilets because that's... Um, bit obscene to be doing that anywhere else but in a toilet um and um yeah we've made it work we've put a cafe in our the outdoor space that is undercover is um an amazing cafe space where winter summer hail rain or shine we can offer free meals Mm -hmm. um in our community meal space we've seen um let me give you those numbers nearly 14,000 visits to our community's meal space in the 12 months to the end of August so, yeah hmm. um, what's so talk us through the community meals how often do they happen and sure so we currently have um five services a week so four dinners mm-hmm. um and they are all pre-prepared um we we serve them up on the evening of the or, or, or on the evening of the service um but we have chefs that come in and prepare them and then we do one breakfast um and um, we are seeing 
140, 150 averaging our breakfast is crazy. Um, yesterday, I think we, uh, they told me we had 73 young people from local high schools coming to have breakfast with us now. Before, before school? Before school. Wow. wow. Okay. So what I love about that is, um, look, there are some people there that eat three breakfasts, it's okay. But I think what it says is there's either not enough food or there's no food mm-hmm. at home. And these young people are coming and accessing a free meal and they're very grateful i i'm impressed with the grateful we don't gratitude is not something that we drive for mm-hmm. we we determine that we will be respectful of each other um but these young people are going thank you so much for breakfast and this was delicious and um we're talking we're talking 12 13 14 year olds mm-hmm. so again i think we're as a as an organization really really well positioned in um, in our community for people to be easily able to access mm. food um, with autonomy mm. and um, a level of anonymity. So if I walk up to you and say, my name is Ursula, and you tell me you're Donald Duck, then that's exactly how we will address you. Um, but if you want to tell me your real name, because it's likely not to be Donald Duck, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, that's that that's then the... the minute somebody does that for me or for any of our team I see that happening I go like now we have the building blocks of relationship Mm. now we can start talking about other things Um, so our evening meals are amazing Um, a beautiful hot meal a a free or it's all free but um, a cup of coffee or a so let me tell you my story about the coffee because I just think this is so powerful Mm -hmm. Um, and you guys Need to stop me. If, oh, just, <laughs> we will, don't worry. Yeah, right. I love it. You've got at least three or four hours. Yeah, okay, you're good. Keep talking yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Um, we were in another space and we were offering um, coffee and tea, instant stuff. Um, so an urn with hot water and coffee and tea. And we had an incredibly drunk individual come in and it's like even getting food to his mouth was difficult. He was just off his chops anyway I he got up to make a coffee and I I was watching um safety first and so I saw that he had filled his cup all the way to the top so I was already it wasn't a massive space and I was already on my way over and I said to him um my love would you like me to put a lid on that for you Mm. um and he he was like oh yeah sure you know anyway I took the cup and we didn't leave the lids there because that means you know everybody touches everything mm-hmm. so we don't no, none of us actually enjoy that either so I took the cup and I walked over to where we were keeping the lids and I popped a lid on it and he followed me across and I I turned around to hand it to him and he like literally stood up straight and he said as lucid as anything he said now I look like I have a real coffee mm. and I was like it broke me mm. that I can walk out there and go buy me a coffee. Mm. But for peop- some people in our community, that is not an option. Mm. And when they see you with one, it is a symbol of status. Mm. So I was like, we need to work this out. And so the minute we were able to put barista made coffee into our community mm. meal space for mm-hmm. free, mm-hmm. we did it. Yeah. And that's a royal week because I did it because I was like, 
that's what we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets a barista-made coffee with their name on the lid and exactly what they asked for. Right. And that gets delivered to them mm-hmm. by our, we call them internally coffee runners, mm-hmm. but it gets delivered to them while they're sitting at the table. And um, I, I, I think it's a great way to build relationship and community with your community. Um, those people that are coming in to be part of what you're offering. Um, yeah. Mm. Now, I think um, this is probably a good moment as well um, to just, I reckon, provide like a one-sentence summary of exactly the aim of um, your your um, organisation. So we've heard that it, it provides free meals. I know I can see from a background we've got an op shop. There's a whole bunch of services yep. that you guys provide. But what is the main aim of Dream Builders? Yeah. One sentence. One sentence. (laughs) Maybe a couple sentences. (laughs) Ultimately, it is to meet the need of the community. Yeah. And I know community can be very large and the needs are many. So, but from, yeah, from our perspective, it is about literally meeting that need. Um, obviously our focus is food insecurity so we do everything there is a number of different ways individuals can access Mm -hmm. um, something to eat Um, but it is to meet that need Mm yeah and the need that what might have driven them here or the knowledge of being able to be fed here may have brought them here but then we can offer free clothes if that's needed we can offer a shower if that's needed we offer toiletries if that's needed so those all of those sort of things that sit that circle around underneath this need for housing yeah Mm -hmm. all those other Mm -hmm. things and i think that provides like a really good no that that's quite all right um it provides a really good um point of contact because obviously food is important um everyone needs to eat but then when people come here, they can access other things that other they things. might need to support yeah. Yeah. their life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not its not always, I think it's healthy that it's not always, yes, can I mm. have these clothes? Well, actually, no, they're $4 yeah. each. Or, mm. you know, it's not always a yes, it's not always free. I think it's very healthy mm. that not everything is free all the time. But certainly, um, specifically speaking into those people who are rough sleeping or experiencing homelessness, um, they shed anything that's excess. And in the middle of the night, if they're being attacked, they're not going to think, where's my phone and where's my clean underwear? They're just going to go. They're going to go. Yeah. They, they, they don't sleep in um, small confined spaces they find something that shelters them but has got three exits. Mm-hmm. So um, we see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. We yeah. see a lot of that. But we see all... I also want to, I suppose, highlight the fact that some of the people that we get to interact with are coming from a middle-class, what is now working poor environment mm-hmm. where they've mm-hmm. got two... So one of the stories um, that I, one of the stories, one of the accounts that I have from a Christmas perspective is a gentleman who came in um, in 2021 and he had heard about registering. He possibly was one of the last registrants 
Um, so at that point we might have been putting out about 250 hampers so we usually fill up around mid-November. Um, this year it's 300 and we're already at 223. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got sort of six, seven weeks left before Christmas so I think it's going to be, yeah. Anyway, he had come in and he had, he collected his hamper and we also register the number of dependents that you have and we hope we we work really hard to make sure that there's toys for everybody and we offer the parent guardian the opportunity to choose a gift for mm. them so they're not wrapped yeah they're so if you're into if your children are into basketball grab a basketball but if they're into knitting there's knitting stuff or whatever and he had chosen i think he had sort of like eight nine 12 and a 13 and he came and said to me he came and said to me um i just wanted to tell you that in october we sat our kids down and we told them that there wouldn't be christmas for them this year because mum was working three days a week it's as much as work she could get and i haven't been able to get any work that's consistent we're paying the bills we're keeping a roof over the kids heads they're going to school we're putting clothes on them and there's some food on the table but there's nothing in excess so we wanted to prepare them especially the younger one Mm. for this outcome he said i'm so excited i'm going to hide these gifts in the boot of my car i'm going to wrap them on christmas eve and put them under the tree because they're not expecting anything he says i'm picking them up from school today and i have to work out how i'm going to not (laughs) let them see these gifts that's so exciting that you can give that joy well it's such a it's such a significant time regardless of where your values or belief sets sit mm-hmm. it is such a i can tell you it, we're in midland um in you know eastern perth the northeast corridor and you could shoot a cannonball up great eastern highway and not hit a thing <laughs> oh, hopefully you can go around corners but yeah, you yeah. know not hit a thing there yeah. is not a person out there on christmas day it is still in that i think that is indicative of the fact that it's such a significant part of our culture still mm. and for kids not to get a christmas present and and you know these kids have been now prepared for like almost well christmas hampers get collected the week before christmas mm-hmm. So there wasn't an expectation, I think, too much in that home that there would be anything under the tree. And so he was able to take a few things home and it was just really, yeah. So that's, and and they're trying to work two jobs Mm. Mm. and they're trying to pay all the bills. So my point is that this, this, the the people who, and I think uh, the Food Bank Hunger Report that has come out just recently is really profound in its description of how many of our population are really experiencing food insecurity and um, the impact um, mm-hmm. on on their their ability to live, their ability to yeah. So, because I'm assuming maybe when you started, a bigger proportion of your clients were maybe experiencing homelessness. Yep. So now you're actually getting a lot of people coming in who aren't homeless, but just having a, a nightmare of a time. Nightmare of a time. That for some people their their accommodation or their their housing is tenuous mm-hmm. you know they're they're maybe on their last leg with their real estate agent or um we, we just we have people who come in and they're like 
deer in the headlights look like i've never had to ask for food mm-hmm. who does that in australia like there we know that there is a demography and we kind of have sidelined them as the people that are homeless and sleep in the city in inappropriate places um but we there is a huge proportion of the population that is now coming forward and going yeah i'm not sure how i'm gonna pay and we've just had another rate hike and it's mm. not the fault of the rba i can't mm. like we can't go going like that's the only lever they have to pull mm. because if we don't control inflation and those sorts of things and i know that that's a really big conversation and i'm not an economist at any stretch of the imagination i hate even balancing my but in fact i <laughs> give that all to my husband to do um and i just spend money um <laughs> According to my husband's yeah. account of what I do, yeah. um, which is probably true. Um, but, um, you know, like, th- th- we just, um, this is the only lever that they have to pull. Yeah. And so we need to slow this down so that five or ten years from now, we are still able to mm. have people purchasing houses and, and um, yeah, it's just, mm. it's, 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 it's a really interesting space because you, you you can go oh it shouldn't be that expensive yeah but um mm. the options are i'm not sure and and i'm yeah. sure that amongst your listeners there's probably a thousand solutions here um yeah. ones that i haven't thought about but just, yeah yeah people are grappling with that all the time mm. aren't they? all the time and i think that, that's and another thing is i think a lot of people have a lot of little solutions and it's it's that ability to put them all together and create one yeah. big solution to solve everything. Look, and but cool. competing Boy. ideas where people That's think true. this is the wrong way, this is the right, right way, and yeah. it's like both ways have been proven to fail at yeah. some point. Yes. You know? um, and, and I think um, from, like, I, I, I was having a conversation with a, um, a group of people that had invited me to just have a bit of a chitter-chat with them, and at the end of my little thing, um, I a gentleman got up and he said... And I think it's a really, it's a generational question, but I think it's quite profound. And I think it's quite, it's asked a lot in our heads, um, is how do you determine between the deserving and the undeserving poor? (laughs) And we do this, we do this. And my deserving and undeserving is different to your deserving and undeserving because of the experiences that you've carried into today what you know what we all carry forward mm-hmm. and every day i meet individuals who change my perspective slightly about what life potentially could or should look like mm-hmm. and so we have there isn't a deserving or undeserving poor um because we don't take into account the fact that potentially the person who is now 35 years old and struggling with aod issues was a child who was left to their own resources at five Mm. or was a child who you know was inappropriately treated um or was a you know like yeah um and and i mean we've raised four my husband and i've raised four and there's four different personalities there and they all grew up under our roof Mm -hmm. we treated them the way we treat our children and yet all of them have taken something different out of their the way they've been raised and it's very interesting listening to them all talk together um there's more like me than there is like my husband my husband's very kind and gentle and <laughs> lovely and then there's 
so we have one like that and then there's three that are loud and <laughs> very abrasive and opinionated um, but it's a great conversation um, because you know they go oh, I didn't remember it like that and mm. I you know mm. and so now we now we start talking about how um, in in one home one person could potentially go down the road of an amazing education and taking up every opportunity and another person ends up with chronic AOD issues and their children are taken up by DCP and um, you know they they have they they have heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak and you go wow there isn't a solution there isn't one solution to fix this yeah. what we need to do and it's we can't even take an individualized look because mm-hmm. what we how many million have we got in australia right now? okay yeah 26 or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you can't right. have one-to-one yeah. care for every no. one no. and we're trying to do that with the ndis and we're blowing that out of the water mm-hmm. and it's not yeah. i think it's a great initiative but it because it everyone should have the right to self-determination to the point of their own capacity but it's not yeah. working. Yeah. It's no. costing a lot of money. No. I mean, once you get out of, say, like a household structure, it's very hard to individually meet yeah. everybody's needs. Mm, yeah. Know? And then even then, um, from my background, like multidisciplinary work is kind of the main thing we aim for. But even then, that means you've got four or five experts for one person. Mm. Yes. And that could it's just... Intensive. Yeah, it's yeah. intensive. Mm. Very it's intensive. intensive. And you, you only have so many of those that mm. you and so how many multidisciplinary teams can we actually put in in wherever mm. to be able to look after one person yeah so it's it, it is yeah. a fascinating and then we're just looking after people potentially with disability mm-hmm. we're not even talking about um somebody who who um is has has more like behavioural issues Mm or um, has complex psychological issues that, you know, don't present until they're 35 years old or... I I don't know. Like, I I don't want to be blanket and I don't want to be... I don't want to be in any way generic around people's problems. They are just so... Yeah. it's It's just so powerful, I think. Well, it's like fighting a fire. You don't... It doesn't matter how it started or what it's burning you you need to kind of stop it yes otherwise everything gets burnt to the ground yeah and that the components of that are different for every person yeah you know whatever fire it is they're fighting Um, yes and so this whole service siloing thing that we have with mental health being separate from aod being separate from homelessness etc it's like people have all these problems at the same time yes so telling them that you're the wrong door and go to the next door you know that's and I, i was going to ask like how your service kind of deals with that because you must have people but you know having a um they a have food service need. fatigue yeah, yeah. having and a food need was indicative indicative of having other needs probably We talked earlier about the VI Spadat and um, this whole, um, what is it called? It's just gone out of my head. Um, so if, if a whole heap of agencies have, have more ability to just go, 
if I could type your name in and go, mm. oh, you've already spoken to Indigo Junction and yeah. or you've spoken to Midlass or you've spoken to Holyoke or Wanjining or whoever else, um, oh, I can see that you, yeah. And they're not having to retell their story, yeah. mm. re-ask for the things that they need. So like data um, sharing or integration. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand the, the privacy laws. Mm. We shouldn't just be able to walk in and go, oh, look, his, his everything <laughs> yeah and, and 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 i know everything about you that mm. shouldn't be mm. but we also that i don't know there's a for i don't need to know everyone's gory details but i it would be helpful if i knew that this was your you were in a situation of homelessness or tenuous tenancy or mm -hmm. um you know potentially a dv a victim of dv mm. um and how can we help that for you actually i feel like there's a there's a opportunity there where if we have everything on one record people or the people creating the records can ask do you want this public on this and then they never have to tell the story again it's there for other services anyway that's a yeah, side tangent it is I a side tangent there, and so. i think we should talk about a little bit more because yeah, there's yeah. A, i like that there's other issues within oh, that space yeah um yeah but yeah, um, mm. I, I, I do. I think that that's a really... We need to bring society with us to implement something like that because we've tried that mm. with the e-health record yes. and a lot of people oh, yeah. say no. Yep. I definitely don't want people to access And that. I think it's, 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 it's quite a top-down approach yeah. mm -hmm. and we react, specifically Australians react to this top-down yeah. thing as well. Give me more information. Tell me how it is actually going to benefit mm. me put an education program they they will spend billions on other stuff why not mm. giving people an understanding flyers mm. ads I, I get a little bit frustrated with this everyone should just put join up why well, it's the we, same with the vaccine yeah go and get vaccinated why because we're telling you to and if yes. you don't then we're going to do this to you yeah, you know? yeah instead of giving more people information and yeah. we have a right of reply that is what our mm. democracy is built on so please don't right. um and i when i when i look at like individuals that we get to um walk alongside in in the space of homelessness um you know i've got um, a gentleman who I've been told is going to get housed soon, so I'm very excited for him. And he has a partner, and um, she, they've said we'll get a two bedroom so that, you know, but they fight a lot. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to be really careful in this space. Mm. Um, and I was saying to her, but, you know, there would be somewhere for you to be able to go and lock the door. Mm. And she's like, I don't, I, I don't want to be forced into a situation. I, I want my own space. Mm. Mm. I want to be forced into a situation where I have to share something because you told me I had to share something. Mm. I'm like, yeah. Mm. All right, Fair let's enough. go for your own space. Let's advocate for that one. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I guess what we're talking about is the health of community, right? Mm. Um, we can't necessarily just drop a whole bundle of houses out and it's proven i mean the 60s and 70s proved to us that we can't just put everybody who's in a low socioeconomic space and can't afford a housing in a block of flats because that doesn't work either right. um yeah. and um so how do how do we go about doing that how do we go about that um underpinning the dignity and value mm. of individuals and and giving them space to lock a door and go from surviving 
down the track to thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Because they now, every time I talk to, so I've got a gentleman who has been homeless. I know him. He's been homeless for a good 15 years or so. Um, he has um, accommodation, mm-hmm. but he struggles to be in that all the time. Yep. So for three or four nights out of seven, he's probably sleeping somewhere else, but he has a place to go. And for him, it is a case of I can lock the door and I can think. So when I get tired of having to think about three ways of escaping if I have to, um, I I actually can go and lock the door and think. And in, the incremental changes he's making to his own life um, are they better or worse? I don't. I'm, I don't want to make that judgment call. I think that's really important, but they are definitely improving life for him. Mm-hmm. And I, just because I've offered you accommodation doesn't mean you have to stay there twenty four seven. Yeah. Just because we can, as a community, find that for you. Yeah. Um, it's a frequent outcome for someone who's been long term homeless to yeah. get given a, their own house yeah. and not stay in it. Because they just don't like the environment and it's, it's not what they're used to. No, and, you know, no. and then people trying to help them sometimes get baffled and go, oh, yep. I just got you this house. Surely that was the yep. panacea that was going to change everything for you. But, yep. yeah. And, it, and, it, and it, it, it has changed everything for them, mm. just not in the way we expected it to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I got excited when um, this gentleman came and said, do you have any curtains to put on my mm-hmm. windows? Because Mm -hmm. it just meant he was, for him, making a little bit more homely. He wanted a little bit more privacy. Yeah. So that was really exciting. And we have to let people travel that road. Um, I think where where it becomes very difficult is when that cost is affected. The cost is affected by the community at large anyway, because if if they're experiencing homelessness, they're probably engaging with medical services um, they're probably, you know, there's probably destruction. There's probably like the legal services, all of those things. There's all of that costing going on. So mm. I don't know. Somebody should possibly do what that costs and what that costs, and probably somebody has somewhere in the in the world. Um, mm. It's a really fascinating thing that we go. Um, well, that's actually costing us, but you're not there. Well, actually, they it's costing there. us less. Yeah. Mm. And they are there, even if they're not. They they are. They have their yeah. belongings there. They yeah. have their. It's a base. It's, it's a base. Yeah, mm. I I think we, from a. I think generally speaking, we think we should just always be. I always go home. I can't wait to go home. Yeah. I love going home. Mm-hmm. It's just my safe place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wake up in the morning, and it's my sanctuary, and I'm looking forward. To doing what I need to do during the day, but then getting home again. That's not everybody's experience. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I imagine some of them probably see this place as being their safe space, you know. Well, interesting, I had a conversation with one of our team leaders yesterday and she was um, over at our local shops here getting a kebab and she was listening to um, some people she recognised that we serve in our community meal space and they were yelling and carrying mm. on and they're just being... You know, I don't know if it's dumb people doing stuff or stuff people doing dumb stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like you work it out. Yeah. Um, but 
they were just being quite obnoxious over there mm-hmm. and they were her words and she uh, she's like they were being really obnoxious I was just like really surprised to see this side of them mm. um, and then I hear them walk past me because she's standing at the kebab shop and they go like oh let's go over for dinner and she's like oh I wonder where they're going for dinner mm-hmm. and then because we were having a meeting she walked in and she said hello to our team leader on the night and she saw this table of people sitting there eating calmly eating their dinner and having mm. a great old conversation mm. <laughs> even with other ta- people at other tables yeah and it was you know <laughs> people do they yeah. respect the home that they have mm. um if you give them the opportunity to feel at home yeah i don't know yeah. And let me just qualify this. I'm no psychologist, <laughs> no psychiatrist. <laughs> this is simply what I'm seeing enacted in our community. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And I think because we're in your office right now and I think um, kind of the structure of this building to, to look at the organisation, you can see everything that's happening out there as well. So there would be that connection um, with everyone that comes in, which yeah. I think is really cool. Is, yeah. It is. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to get my work done. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love it. It is amazing. I, 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 I mean, originally it was sight lines um, to a cash point, so that's really important to yeah. make sure our team is supported and feel safe. Um, but you've seen me already wave to a few people mm-hmm. who are leaving for the yeah. day. And, um, yeah, so it is. And... and for the most part, I could probably walk out and say hello to people that I know by name, mm-hmm. um, and I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, in response, our community also love that. They love mm-hmm. to be known by their name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a dignity thing. It is a dignity thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a value. I'm an individual. I have yeah. my own name, and you know it. And I think that that's so powerful. And again, I come back to that opportunity to build relationship and community um, and in that space then people feel safe to be able to unpack some of the stuff and it comes in dribs and drabs it comes in increments right mm-hmm. and they um one of the things i want to be really careful with is that they that i don't i don't um overlay what they want with my understanding of what would be better for them mm-hmm. i think that's really important that they work out what's better for them mm-hmm. We talked about housing and stuff. Um, I think that's a really important point, actually. Um, and I think um, from a research perspective, we try and do that all the time, but it's mm-hmm. only been a recent movement where it's become more of a thing to have community um, voice yeah, in, in co- research. Co-designing and yeah. co-reading research, you know, people who aren't trained in research but are trained in life. Yeah, yeah. have a lived experience if, yeah, to share. Yeah. Informing you what they, they think you should be looking at. Yeah. As yep. opposed to you saying, well, these are the important factors. Yeah. It's like, well, well, I've you got in my model that. that these three things are the things that are affecting you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm, not quite. Not yeah. quite. And the reasons, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I And, you know, we, we earlier on we referred to um, Maslow's hierarchy. And mm. I, I do appreciate that as a framework for looking at what um, would help somebody potentially thrive mm. a little more in life. Um, we all need housing, we all need um, food and um, so, but it's not necessarily always in the same order and I think Mm -hmm. we've applied an order from the, again, from the top down and what I, one of the things I do struggle with when it comes to co-design is I think sometimes there are 
quite unrealistic expectations from people with lived experience mm -hmm. to solve mm -hmm. issues. Yes. Big right. pressure. It is a yeah. big... There's a, At what point do you go, um, yeah, that's probably a line that we can't step over or we can't... Yeah. I think yeah. we put it in a, in, in a law context because that's kind of where I started. Yeah. Is international law and human rights law. Yeah. Amazing. Most of it's as aspirational. Mm -hmm. And it's like, in theory, this is where we want to aim as a society. Where we get to is somewhere a bit lower. Yeah. But that's mm -hmm. where we're aiming for. And I think that's how you have to kind of frame it with people with lived experience who are maybe being involved in research for the first time or yeah. planning a service. It's like, ideally, we would take care of everyone's needs and people would come in and they'd be safe and yep. happy, etc. Our experience tells us that's not always the case. Let's aim for that yep. and let's mm. see where we get to. Yeah, you know? I will actually say this podcast is probably a, a prime example of that where mm. we were going to have a, a consumer on with yes. us yeah. and they were super excited yes. and had committed to it which is absolutely fantastic yeah. but yeah. unfortunately couldn't make it today yeah. Yeah. and you know yeah. i think that that's the thing we we aim theoretically for yeah. for that kind of top level but yeah. it's okay if it doesn't quite get there because yeah. yeah. we still get to have a fabulous conversation and talk to some really oh, lovely people today very kind so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think she's referring to who's at the Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not, not in the room, right? Not in the room. Sorry, I just I'll get to that part yeah, yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is going to end up in the bin and the rest of it's going to come out. And, um, that's great. Um, that's great. It is, um, yeah. No, but yeah, so that's it. I mean, we just have to be realistic and yep. learn from experience, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. But then I want to refer back to, you know, service fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um there's a the demography that we're specifically talking about who are struggling in life have had a lot of promises made whether that's from you know um let's go as big as you know um human rights mm -hmm. um so we all hear about these things we all listen to you know television news and mm -hmm. these things filter through and we listen to radio we hear conversations around them so we have these massive things come through. We have governments that go, we want to align with that and we want to produce that and we want to support that and we want to... Um, yeah. And then we get down to the individual and 15 years later, they still don't have their own space to live in. Mm -hmm. So I think that they're... I, 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 again, I think we, we, we erode people's um, self-esteem mm -hmm. and ability to um, pull themselves up by their bootstraps again because we haven't got yeah. these I, I love I think when we when we can sit here and we can go home every night and we can wear clean underwear every day like this I had a group of um, young people 13 to 15 who had a sleep over here a bit like the CEO sleep out but mm -hmm. in a little bit of a safer environment yeah and I said to them, so who put on clean underwear today? Mm. And of course, everyone put their hand up. They're very proud of the fact that they're, you know, I want to be seen as... I'm like, yeah, so if you're experiencing homelessness or you don't have access to a washing machine because it broke down or that is not what you'll be saying. Mm. And for some of these young people, they had never, ever considered that you wouldn't wear clean underwear. Mm. Really? You know? Yeah. Um, and so the, this, I think, 
but it's not wrong to make as it's not wrong to aspire if you are in ability in in a space where you actually have the opportunity to choose mm-hmm. i think if you don't have any choices that aspirational mindset can be um it's demoralizing it or, is it's yeah. it's mm. it's a place where they can become mm. completely disappointed in society yeah. because you know you want to do all of these things and you all drive around in your cars and you all go home and you all wear clean underwear for all the yeah. example that we just gave but i'm still not living in a house or i'm still yeah. not seeing you know i'm still not able to whatever that is and I, I and and so i don't think we shouldn't be aspirational i just think we need to be mindful of how we present that to people who yeah. potentially don't have any choice yeah there's a criminological theory Okay, tell to me. To try and um, explain why some crime happens. Yep. And it's one of the theories is strain theory. And it's basically the strain between people's ambitions based on what they see others doing and yep. their ability to achieve that. Yep. And so instead of going down a route where you're doing something that's law-abiding, like going to college and getting a degree and you know getting promoted and getting a pay rise, yep. they will do something else that's a lot quicker to achieve, yep. you know, like sell drugs or you know do a burglary or whatever yeah and it's because they're trying to they, they see it going on around mm-hmm. themselves and they want to be there and the mm-hmm. quickest way of getting there is doing this other thing because these other options aren't open to them they're no. not they're not going to go to university wait so on know. a very side note again does that then apply to social media in what, in what so way? as in like you're on social media <clears throat> you're seeing a lot of people who are doing far better than you you want to get to their spot, so you might do things that are a little bit more dodgy to try and get there. I guess in the context, yeah, so that mm, theory is yes. developed well before social media yeah, even yeah. existed. Oh, yeah, sure. But, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, in a modern-day context, yeah. yes, you that can see... That is where people, mm. people... I mean, how many of us... Well, I'm just going to say, not me, I'm going to say the royal us. Yeah. How yeah. many of us go to Pinterest to find out how we should set a vase or oh, yeah. <laughs> you know decorate our room or yeah. what's um, the current trend for this week so yeah. I'm going to paint my room how do I wear my shirt <laughs> yeah. what mm. shoes should I put like how many of us in the western world um, in a certain more wealthy demographic mm-hmm. don't do that yeah so i think it's very interesting um it is applicable and i think there's more and more ways people are influenced with what and uh, uh, look honest i'm again the royal we I, i'm on instagram so i can follow my kids that's about the yeah <laughs> like the breath <laughs> i don't have time for anything else but you know just the stories that people put up and it's their best self mm. Mm. it's their um, best and filtered self mm. best yeah. and filtered yeah. self um and um so yeah again we we we, we really do swamp we swamp ourselves mm. it doesn't matter where in the in the in the um, economic perspective, you actually yeah. sit. We do swamp ourselves Absolutely. with all of that kind of stuff. But I think that there is a demographic that is more and more affected by that mm. or more deeply affected by that. I love this idea of strain theory. I certainly will Google that now and get a better understanding of that. But I think uh, we, we, how do we get there faster? Mm. You know, we've got this set, these aspirations for people yeah. and then some there's a, a large portion of the population that have no realistic way of 
getting there. Mm, so it's no. like, and then I have another question around um, potentially the capacity of being able to handle that as yeah. well. Mm, mm-hmm. So one of the things we find specifically in when people are housed um, or find accommodation is paying the rent, mm-hmm. paying the water bill, um, repairing things when they break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's, you know, none of that is wrong. We need to put supports around that and make sure that those things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, just find it quite... Um, yeah. It, there, there isn't a... I, I think mm-hmm. it comes back to, you know, we'd like to have a one big solution there isn't one yeah and we need to learn to live in that tension um and listen to the individual and work out how how what thriving is for them and and seeing how and and just coming back to this strain theory as well you know what i what i often have is when i'm talking to people they see what they they tell me what they would like i'd like my situation to look like this i'd like i'd like my boyfriend not to hit me anymore mm-hmm. um but they that that there, there seems to be a disconnect between the situation I'm in and what I'd like. I don't know how to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know how to do that. I don't know how to negotiate with him. I don't know how to compromise. Mm-hmm. I don't know, or, or all I'm doing is compromising and the reason why I'm in this situation is because I get to the end of my compromise and he wants more right. or she wants more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it applies to lots of different mm-hmm. spaces um, and right. and... You know, I just, I, I, I see that a lot. I see, I had a conversation with a gentleman to do, just this week. Um, he wants to, he's got 10 amazing ideas to earn millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But he's struggling with how to get into a TAFE, Cert 3 TAFE course. Right. And when I offered him a couple of solutions, including coming and sitting in my office and, and working through the application form, mm. he says, I don't learn good. Right, okay. And I'm, like, devastated because mm. he has, whether they are... He's got vision or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I've got, I've got A yeah. and I've got B, but how do I get... Yeah, join the dots. And no, it's... it's well, again, I want to be careful because I, I, I don't want to lump people in a basket of, of you know, they, they, it's a capacity issue for them or it's an intellectual issue. I, 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 that's not it. Mm. It is a recognising, I think, that um, if for a healthy community we need to be more mindful of um, where people are coming from and where they want to go and not just assuming. So I... Um, When we raised our kids, I said to them, my job as your parent or our job as your parents is to give you the opportunity to go to school. Mm -hmm. Your responsibility is to make that work for you. Mm -hmm. So there are choices in life. And I remember having conversations. My, I, the youngest was still in a car seat. So we're talking, you know, the eldest being maybe five and the youngest being two. Um, I remember, and if you interview my kids, they'll say the same thing. Oh, yeah, mum. Oh, our mum was just like, oh, my God, here she goes again. Blaze <laughs> over. You can choose to sit on a beach and do nothing with your life. Mm-hmm. Or that may be your only option. And I'm not 
suggesting that surfies. We're not going there. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that. Yeah. Um, we just that for us it was a very good. They they understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do your best with what you've got, and you you can then go and go. I actually don't want to do anything. I just want to. I'm going to put a tent on a beach, and that's yeah. where I'm going to live. Mm. And great. Or you don't do anything with the opportunities you've been given and that's where you end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, um, you know, the kids have all done well and um, we're mm. really blessed. They have all done exceptionally well um, and they're all looking after themselves and the families that they have and they're doing really, really well. Um, but I don't know how many people get to have those conversations mm. from in their homes whether their homes are even stable enough to have conversations like that or you know if there isn't somebody rampaging through the house mm. and yep. you just need to hide under the bed mm-hmm. That's I, I, I don't know yeah. it's like I I, I, I the, my head just yeah <laughs> explodes I know mm. it's easy to go down all those rabbit holes and I, I think obviously that can could be quite distressing if you do that um, but I think kind of trying not to lose sight of perspective um obviously having a place like this functioning and operating is one way that you can at least give people the opportunity who might be in that situation to come to a safe environment and get something that they need yeah we did a um, a little bit of a survey a few years ago um really bad don't i'm just statistics and surveys i'm just <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure if I go down the road of further academic study, I'm going to have to embrace that somewhere along the line. But I didn't then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we asked a series of questions. Um, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I feel validated. <laughs> so just, just for the context, Leah is right in the middle of that process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> the pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and, but one of the... So we asked a few different... We asked... The same questions, but of a few, quite a number of different people. And um, one of the, some of the feedback that came back um, in relation to Dream Builders Care was this, this sense of confidence Mm -hmm. that when you, when we come to Dream Builders Care, we know there'll be something to eat. So um, as a process, and potentially this is some of the stuff we should unpack a little bit, but as a process, we have bread, fruit and veg here for free every day. Typically, we get enough bread in for people to take as much as they could use. And we use that language. We don't go take as much as you want. And we say take as much as you can use because seriously, you could come here five days a week and get the freshest bread every day and have a delicious sandwich or bread or or whatever, however you want to eat that toasted, you know. Mm. You don't need to take 25 loaves on Monday and eat stale bread on Friday. It's not necessary. Yeah, come back again tomorrow. Yeah, come back again tomorrow. Mm. And we get to have another chat and we get to say hello. Mm. So that's really, you know, I love that. Um, But in our fruit and veg space, we we see what we get in every day. Um, And it's an educated guess now, I suppose, um, or an experienced guess. Um, We have... um, um, we put numbers on the front of every crate and that's the amount of fruit and that that particular item we can offer on any given day and we do that um, because 
we know how many people are going to come in through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we run out of tomatoes and sometimes we run out of cucumbers because we only got six and we're offering everyone one. So the first six people who want a cucumber can take it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we get a little bit of pushback on that, actually. You know, mm-hmm. a lady the other day um, was talking to our day manager and she said, but I have five kids at home and you only give me two apples. And, I'm like, and, and our day manager said at the time, she said, well, we can give you two apples because this morning we didn't let the other people who had five kids at home take five apples. Yeah. So everybody gets a little bit of something every day and that's pretty much our philosophy here. Mm. Um, and that means as long as it can last, it can last. Mm. Um, and people in that got a level, of, they, they got a sense of confidence that when they got down here, there would be something to eat. Yeah. Um, now, it's not a gourmet meal, mm-hmm. but it certainly is... Um, sadly, in some respects, it certainly is something to eat. Mm. And hopefully we're not making you eat tomato and you hate tomato because that's <laughs> what we don't want to do. Yeah. One of the other things we do around that is um, in our emergency relief space, we offer you a $20 voucher. It's not a huge amount. Our food is quite cheap, but it's not a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. And it is emergency relief. Um it is emergency relief. It is um, uh, so. It's, the idea is to get you over a hump, and I know that for some people the hump is more than two or three days. Um, that said, we have, like I say, a number of different ways to access food. It's not always that one, um, but in that process, the twenty dollar voucher is about purchasing what you eat. So I think that's really another really important mm-hmm. when you have when when you have a limited fund when you have limited funds you're no longer able to go i'll choose the nike shoes Mm -hmm. you go i have to wear kmart dunlops and nothing against kmart dunlops people (laughs) i just want to be clear um for some people they're a preferred shoe but Mm. if we're talking choice we are we're we're not shopping at a boutique we're shopping at a a a general store or whatever um because that choice is now Mm. limited so what we try and do here, even though there is a limited choice with the emergency relief, you choose what you want to eat. If you don't eat margarine, don't take margarine. You're at $20. If you're a pasta and sauce person, take pasta and sauce. If you're a rice person, take rice. Um, if you're both, take both if it fits mm. in your $20. And mm. we're really careful around the fact that it's not about chips, chocolate and cool drink. We're not here for your snacks. Right. That's not emergency relief, people. No. Sorry for some, but, you know, it isn't. Um, mm. And so, and then there's also frozen meals that are offered and there's also frozen protein. So in, in, in a whole, it's probably about a $50 space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, we're sort of, we're, we're not um, we're not adverse to offering you more help. It's, th- th- there's just a process. Yeah. And the, the meals that you offer five days a week, um, who makes them and who makes the choices to what's cooked? Yeah, so we try and create as much variety as possible. I, so it's not, oh, dream builders care, it must be chicken week because we've got four yeah. serves of chicken. <laughs> um, so we, we do, our chefs are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody asks me to cook, I can tell you now. <laughs> I can do tin soup. Tin soup. Um, yeah. We have pork stir fry, we have chicken um, cacciatore, we oh, have... Nice. So, Typically what happens is we need to produce 32 kilos of food to feed 80 individuals at Mm -hmm. 400 grams a serve. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so that's the goal we have. Today we're having a pasta bolognese, um, so obviously minced tomatoes and pasta. Um, so that's going out, that's for dinner tonight. Uh, yesterday we had corned beef with potato, mixed uh, um, a medley of veg, um, sour cream, mushroom gravy. Um, on Tuesday night we had black bean, beef and black bean on rice. Mm. Um, so we try and mix it up as much as possible. Um, we looked at the, you know, like the question around nutrition comes up a lot. I'm going to say um, putting food in people's bellies, <laughs> it's, it is nutritious. It's not like have we ticked all the macro boxes and the micro boxes and whatever other box. No, we, we just don't go down that yeah. road. Food is food at that point, mm -hmm. yeah. We produce a minimum of 16 kilos of the protein element yeah. and 16 kilos of the carb element. Sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. It depends on what we're offering. So we did a pork stir fry on Hokkien noodle. So a little bit more pork, a little bit less noodle. Otherwise, mm -hmm. all you're eating is noodle and it's not very nice. So just looking at it like that. So that's how that works. Mm -hmm. I, the way I, the way we operate is I go, let's do all our chefs like cooking different things. So that's great. Um, we don't have a chicken chef and a pork chef. We just go okay we get pork in this week we get this and this and this and so we distribute that over the four nights um the breakfasts um, are live cooked so we do bacon and egg oh, nice. we do hamburgers we do pancakes maple syrup and bacon mm -hmm. we do so we try and mm -hmm. keep it really so we have six or seven that randomly rotate through um mm -hmm. some more than others just because um and um so yeah from from the evening so there's a variety we don't have sausage night on tuesdays we don't have chicken night on thursdays yeah. it's we also don't advertise what we're putting out there mm. it's mm -hmm. kind of a bit like mum's cooking you know we name it when we're finished yeah, yeah. yeah. you sit down at the table and then you see what you get yeah, yeah. yeah. so we and sometimes we we have so many options out there the local Sikh temple offers us a hundred two hundred vegetarian meals every week mm -hmm. um they all go we might need to up those numbers soon so they all go um so people have the vegetarian option they have a hot meal option they have their snacks in there there's fruit cups there's mm -hmm. muesli bars there's small packets of chips there's fruit all sorts of bread <laughs> so in, that's in our community meal space yeah, yeah. so that's yeah it. that's uh yeah yeah cool so yeah we just um Cognizant of your time, because this is an ongoing I could talk enterprise. All day. <laughs> you noticed? Yeah. Sorry, guys, but, you're going to get sick of listening. <laughs> I was just going to ask what the kind of future holds. Obviously, this is going as it is right now, mm. but you, you said that you've kind of outgrown this space a bit. So, mm. what is the, the next step, logical step? Well, I don't want to move. Okay. I would love, I'd love to find some funding, or I'd like. I'd like gold bullion dropped from heaven mm -hmm. so that I could purchase this property and the two properties next to us. Mm -hmm. We really need, to, I don't want to move. Okay. I want to move because our community knows where we are. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy access. We're on a major road. Um, we're close to public transport. I don't want to move. Mm -hmm. I also don't want to pack everything up. So mm -hmm. it's just my lazy, the lazy bone <laughs> in my body that screams really loudly yeah. when I think about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to, I, I think we're we're situated really well for community to access us. Mm -hmm. We're not in the centre of town yep. um, where we could potentially have a lot more um, 
behavioural issues because mm. of different reasons. Yeah. Um, so ideally, um, in an ideal world, um, someone walk in with a blank check and say, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And I'd go, uh, I need this much and we'll purchase all of this and we'll work with what we've got. Yeah. Um, that's what I'd like. Okay. Um, if we were to move... Um, I think I take a long holiday first, <laughs> and then consider where we might go. Mm-hmm. I think the the way we're growing, um, the recent rate hikes, the a, a new cohort of individuals who are needing to get food help. I think um, what and what economists are saying around the world. Um, I think that we're in for a long run home. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at 18 months to two years before, given everything settles, mm-hmm. all right? Given we don't have another p- pandemic, given we don't have um, a world war mm-hmm. or supply issues or, like, who knows what tomorrow might bring. So given everything stays or calms down in the Middle East, that would be good, and then everything stays the same, we could look at 18 months to two years before we get back to where our interest rates are um, in line with our earnings somewhat mm-hmm. and our inflation is down and our employment is up and and um, more people are working full-time and less people are working, having to work part-time and mm-hmm. multiple jobs and all of those sorts of things that create such a tenuous um, atmosphere in, in the home, okay? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to, if we have a conversation in two years, I think we're going to be telling you that we had 80 plus thousand visits to Dream Builders Care in the last mm-hmm. 12 months. Um, I, that's where I think it's going. I think we're going to see a lot more people um, exiting the mortgage space and trying mm-hmm. to get into the rental space. I think the tightening of tenancy laws is going to make it very hard for investors. So it's only going to be very large investors that are going to be able to take on multiple houses and I think that's like when I'm when I'm trying to filter all of this mm-hmm. um, with my very limited capacity of you know in economics and all those sorts of things I, I just I don't think the next two years are particularly rosy yeah okay look it's yeah it's just an honest assessment so <laughs> So yeah. when we talk about where's Dream Builders Care going, yeah. I'm going to go probably trying to service, create a service that sees a lot more people yeah. accessing it, yeah. um, whether it's once a week or five days a week. Yeah. So um, if there are people that do have the capacity to help out, how can they help you guys Come out? And talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll definitely put your information in the show notes yeah. and... That sort of thing. And I also noticed there's a cafe out there yep. that people could, who yep. ca- have the means to can come and buy a coffee. And yes, and it supports eat. what we do here. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there isn't a dollar that goes back into, you know, we don't have a massive admin structure. This is not a top-heavy space. Mm. I'm employed full-time. I have a part-time day manager. Mm-hmm. We have a cafe person who is employed. We, we pay him for some of his time but not even all of his time. Right. Um, and everyone else is a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're looking at, um, currently looking at a list of about 136 volunteers that make yeah. this place work. Okay. So all our community meals teams, mm-hmm. um, some of them are up around 15, 16 people, they are all volunteering. Yeah. 
Okay. They all have their own spaces and mm. they'll come in and volunteer. During the day we have, you know, every day you have a different cohort of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, okay. we're not a top-heavy... Yeah. We're, we're lean, man. We're lean. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great chatting, Ursula. Thank you. And thanks for your time and Hopefully. for sharing. Yeah. No, I'm oh, sure gosh. people listening are going to enjoy listening. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. oh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. <laughs>